0: Welcome to the McGill International Review Podcast. I'm your host, Le Pape, and it is August 1st, 2023. On this episode, I'll be analyzing the address that Russian President Vladimir Putin delivered to the Federal Assembly in Moscow on February 21st, 2023, just days before the first anniversary of Russia's large-scale invasion of Ukraine, or as he refers to it then, the Special Military Operation of February 24th, 2022. Throughout his hour-long speech, Putin discusses a variety of subjects, from domestic development plans to the West's unjustified aggressivity. To stay concise and bring you a detailed analysis, I've chosen to focus on the parallels Putin implicitly and explicitly draws between the war in Ukraine and World War II. In particular, I'll first be examining Putin's use and abuse of history and his rhetoric of denazification, highlighting how and why each element is critical to the Kremlin's narrative that Russian invasions are intended to protect Ukrainians from the grips of Kiev's neo-Nazi regime and its Western handlers. To introduce this analysis, we must first recall certain elements of the Second World War. As we know, this global conflict opposed the Axis powers, including Germany and its allies, and the Allied powers, including the U.S., the Soviet Union, and their allies. The USSR under Stalin played a significant role in defeating Hitler's Nazi Germany, and was recognized for this internationally. Major events include the Battle of Stalingrad and other continuous Soviet defenses on the Eastern Front. After the war, the USSR also occupied a portion of Eastern Germany and implemented measures to denazify and reconstruct the state. This included removing propaganda, restructuring Germany's political system, and taking part in the Nuremberg war trials to hold Nazis responsible for their war crimes. Overall, the Soviet Union casualties exceeded 20 million losses and the USSR was and remains globally recognized as a key actor which helped to free Eastern European states from the grips of fascism. For Soviets, this victory was a testament to the power and resilience of the USSR, which heavily shaped Soviet collective memory. Indeed, Stalin referred to it as the Great Patriotic War to boost patriotism. After the USSR's collapse, this war triumph was converted into a Russian victory by the Kremlin, following the justification that most soldiers were of Russian ethnicity. Forrest and Johnson argue in their work that collective memories from this war allowed the Kremlin to constitute Russian national narratives and identity as both heroic and strong. Today, it continues to shape Russians. In his address, Putin also refers to the war as the Great Patriotic War and reminds Russians of the courage, resilience, and self-sacrifice that Russian veterans had and that they too have inherently. He also evokes his country's supposed historical supreme right, quote, the right of Russia to be strong. Already, we can draw parallels between Stalin and Putin's reference to the Great Patriotic War, and not simply World War II, as similar efforts to bolster national support in both instances. In this way, Putin uses history to his advantage by reminding Russians of their past military victory and inherent strengths as Russian people throughout his address. But in another way, Putin equally distorts history to his advantage. Indeed, throughout his speech, he recalls how the West paved the way for Nazis in Germany to rise. He compares it to the West, apparently allowing the rise of aggressive nationalist ideologies in Ukraine today to spread Russophobia. Now, although policies like Britain's appeasement, for example, neglected the force of Nazism for years, the West had no interest in letting Nazism rise in Germany, nor would it benefit from it in Ukraine today. So Putin's claims are used to victimize Russia to later demonstrate that aggressive foreign policies implemented by the Kremlin are simply self-defense against the evil West. Putin also states that the West, particularly the United States, has been seeking global dominance since the USSR's collapse at the expense of Russia's national security and interests. He believes this anti-Russia project is meant to contain and weaken Russia by sparking wars in proxy states and compares this to the same aggression used in the 1930s. Но их расчёт не оправдался. экономика и управления оказались гораздо прочнее, чем полагали на To relate this to more current events, if we focus on the Russian annexation of Crimea in 2014 and look at the West's response, which included sanctions towards Russia and military and financial support toward Ukraine, Putin sees the West's support of the coup as an effort to weaken Russia unjustifyingly since, according to him, the people in the an- annexed region wanted to be Russian. His abuse of history is an effort to paint the West, mostly the US, as a growing violent hegemon which will not stop until they reach global dominance. Ironically, I believe we could paint the same picture of Russia today. Putin takes it a step further in his address by telling Ukrainians directly that the West will always treat them as second-class citizens and are using them solely to get to Russia. Interestingly enough, Atlantic Council Fellow Daniel Fried recalls that Poon has long claimed, and I quote, that Ukrainians do not exist as a people, but if they do, they are Nazis. This brings me to my second point, focusing on Putin's rhetoric of denazifying Ukraine. According to Putin's address, Russia is not at war with Ukrainians as they are just hostages of the Kiev neo-Nazi regime and its western handlers. First, where is this notion that the Ukraine regime is Nazi coming from? Well, during World War II, some Ukrainians did sympathize and collaborate with Nazi Germany, and some even joined SS units. However, this did not represent the majority of Ukrainians, nor does it reflect current popular Ukrainian political orientations. According to Olga Lotman, co-host of the Kremlin Files podcast, Only 2% of Ukraine's population holds membership to nationalist, neo-Nazi parties, which is barely enough to achieve representation in the House. Still, the term denazification carries a strong connotation to absolute evil, according to NPR reporter Rachel Treisman, although Putin's use is clearly detached from accurate history. Hence, there are several reasons why Putin uses the rhetoric of denazification so heavily since February 24th of 2022 first it serves to justify the invasions and demilitarization of ukraine of foreign states this rhetoric reminds us of past nazi atrocities and hints that such history is repeating itself serving as a basis for the russian army to invade and demilitarize ukraine by all means necessary second it serves as a domestic justification to fuel russians to fight According to Professor Drakewicz from Western University, evoking denazification recalls the millions of losses experienced by Russians and fuels Russian troops to crave a revenge strong enough to guide them into blindly destroying the Ukrainian people and not a supposed neo-Nazi force. To keep this narrative alive, the Kremlin and Russian medias often spread fake Ukrainian Nazi propaganda. In his address, for example, Putin mentioned that a brigade of the armed forces of Ukraine was named Edelweiss, a German Nazi division. However, according to Romina, a Czechoslovakian news source, Edelweiss is simply an alpine flower which became emblematic of Ukrainian military mountain units. In fact, Russia itself has a military unit under the same name. This is one of the many lies the Kremlin spreads to make way for their rhetoric of denazification and hence their aggressive foreign policies. This propaganda is ironic as Putin claims in his address that the West is responsible for lying and distorting historical facts to villainize Russia. Today Putin's narrative is increasingly recognized as hypocritical and grotesque. The fact is, as pointed out by Tressman, each time Ukraine moves towards a pro-Western democratic society, Russians discredit this effort as Nazism to justify their invasion, annexation, or other mockeries of sovereignty. Since Ukraine's official application for NATO membership in 2021, Russia has adopted aggressive policies simply because it threatens their national security. As a neighboring state, Ukraine serves as a buffer between Russia and the West, making its alliance with Western powers especially concerning geopolitically for the Kremlin. Throughout his address, Putin focuses on World War II, a rare instance where the Soviet Union acted in the interest of international security, to translate some sort of Russian moral high ground which gives them permission to intervene in the name of denazification at all times. As Professor Drakewich argues, Putin is only trying to russify Ukraine and gain territorial and political advantages beneficial only to Russian national security, even if this means committing endless war crimes. As we pass the first anniversary of the war in Ukraine, it is critical, even if we feel unaffected, to question the misinformation and distortion of history used by world leaders today to dismantle diplomacy and basic human rights.